Okay, good morning, Real Life Church. Good morning, how are we all today? Thought I'd come and say hello from the back this morning. If we've not met before, my name's Matt. Hi. Um, I'm one of the elders here at Real Life Church, and I'm going to be preaching to you today. So, good morning. Okay. Um, is that a little bit overkill? Hold on. Let me just, just on my way up, so just give us two seconds. Mark, how you doing today? Just wanted to say thank you for all you're doing today with the sound. I appreciate you've stepped in as well, because actually our sound guy's got COVID at the moment, so I appreciate that. I meant to give this to you ages ago. So when you fixed my bike, I was chatting to Agnes about Uno, and she was going off to have a game of Uno, and I think I stopped you playing because you were fixing my bike. So I bought her this for you to play as a family. If you've got it, give it to someone else. But it's literally been on my shelf for about six months, so thank you. Appreciate that. Cheers, mate. Okay, sorry, just sorting a few bits out as we come through. Can you hear me okay? <sighs> here we go. Come on, sit down here. So if we've not met before, so I should be able to stand here, we'd be all right. Um, my name's Matt. I said I'm one of the elders, part of the leadership team with my wife. So I just wanted to show you who my wife was. So she's here. This is my wife down here. Okay, I'm just some gestures. That's my lovely wife. Now, I would... Come sit next to you, honey, and give you a little gentle word, but I think I'll feed back, so. <laughs> Sorry, if you're listening to this on the recording, that was just me hugging my wife. She's awesome. So, um, slightly strange start to this morning. As people, we communicate in so many different ways, okay? Um, so this morning, just demonstrating a few different ways that perhaps we communicate with each other. Sometimes we make very loud announcements. Sometimes we make very important announcements. Get out of the building, it's on fire. Those kind of things, yeah? It's not, sorry, the building's not on fire. Um, sometimes it's loud. Sometimes we communicate an encouragement to each other. Sometimes we give private words that aren't meant for anyone else, that are supposed to be a moment shared between two people or a small group of people. Sometimes we give very public words, like this morning. This great privilege it is to be up here um, to speak with you today. Sometimes we issue warnings. Um, sometimes it's intimate moments. And these might be spoken. I just realized I've not put my watch on here. I will run over. Here we go. Sometimes um, those communications might be spoken. Um, they might be hand signals and gestures. They might be texts. We might send email to each other. Some of us, anyone still write letters? I can't put my hand up because I don't. Brilliant. But different ways we communicate with each other. The arts, paintings, poetry, scripture, songs, sculpture, sorry, songs. Um, we are made in the image of God. And God loves to communicate with us. So the way that we communicate with each other is just a reflection of our amazing God who loves and loves to communicate with us. So if you think of all the different ways that we communicate, that's not me, uh, all the different ways we communicate, God is so much more. He loves to communicate with us in different ways. Um, there's an example there of a phone call, different way that we communicate. Um, so, we have to acknowledge and remember, God loves and chooses to communicate with us 
but it's going to be in an array of different ways. And that's part of what we're going to look at today. As we look at the story of Elijah, we look at his relationship with the Lord, and we're going to look at how he communicates with the Lord and how that the Lord communicates with him and how that relationship develops through the communication. So the big idea for today, God speaks to us all. He communicates with us all. Fact, no doubt there. Though not always in the way we want him to or maybe the way we expect him to. Um, and we, and we're going to see about the cave in a minute, we need to make sure that we are stepping out of our cave, out of our kind of alone place, into the presence of God and building our relationship with him so that we can hear his voice. Amen. Okay? So God does communicate with us, and that's where we're going. Um, Just as we kind of, before we get to the passage that we're going to read today, just a reminder, if you're new here, we are working together through the well-being journey at the moment as a church. If you've not got one of these books, just grab one of the the leaders, and we'll, we'll find you a book or we'll order you a book. And what we're doing is we're using this as an opportunity to just reflect upon our overall well-being. It's a good time, isn't it, as we've come out of lockdown. We've been um, going through, talking about different aspects of our well-being. Now, I don't know if anyone's noticed. This is a little random fact for you here. If we go to the next slide for me. Has anyone noticed the relationship between the well-being videos and the stage? What do we notice? Foliage, absolutely. They've, I'll go back one, sorry. They've stolen, no, they haven't stolen. My wife is just that creative and that bang on trend that we've got pretty much the same plants that they've got on the well-being journey. So that means we're in good company. But this was my challenge to you, honey, in the next slide. I then found this one. I think this looks awesome. So I think for January, more, Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll do, absolutely. Um, but on a serious note, we've been looking at our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, and either this week or the week after, depending on when we're going to start it, we're going to look at our spiritual well-being. So it's a really well-timed preach, so thank you, Stuart, that we're looking at our relationship with the Lord just as we embark on the bit where we're going to talk about our spiritual well-being. Okay? We need to remember, and I'm sure you've heard this before, Um, That we were created by God, amen, and in us there is built a desire to be in relationship with our God. It's it's part of who we are because we're made by him. Some people talk about that as a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. And on day 22, tying in with this course, a quote from Selwyn Hughes, it says, God has built into us a desire for relationship with him which if not satisfied, leaves us open and vulnerable to other sources of satisfaction. If God is not satisfying our souls, we will seek something else to satisfy us. And this is where our problems begin. It's quite a stark warning, isn't it? That we have this desire, this hunger and thirst in us to be close to God. But actually, if we choose to fill it with something else, that something else will fall short. Fact. Because nothing is as perfect and amazing as our God. So we're going to look today at how we make sure God has the rightful place in our life in that relationship. If we want to feel deeply refreshed and at peace, and we don't want to feel restless and dissatisfied, we need to ensure that we are in a relationship with God and he's got the rightful place in our life. 
If you haven't acknowledged that yet, if you don't know that yet as a personal truth for yourself, I really pray today that you'll come out of that cave and make that decision and say, actually, I don't know what this journey is going to look like, but the first step I have to say is, God, come feel me, come walk this journey with me, um, and we'll explore this together. And for those of you that have made that decision already, you have acknowledged that there's, there's a gap in my life and only God can fill it. We need to remember, in the words of John Wimber, also you'll read that this week, we leak, okay? And we have to keep spending time with him, coming to him to allow us to fill us up again and again and again. Let's read this from John 7. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. He didn't need the megaphone though, did he? So anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So there's an invitation from Jesus himself that his life, his love can flow into your life. And all we've got to do is come to Jesus. That's our part. We've just got to acknowledge that we're ready and we want that. And Jesus will fill us up because his rivers of life and love are abundant. So, in terms of where we are going today, final reminder, God does speak to us all, though not always in the way we want or expect him to. We're going to step out of our caves and we're going to work at building our relationship with him so that we can hear his voice. Okay, so we're going to read today from 1 Kings 19. Um, And it will appear behind me, and I'll just read it off of here. The Lord speaks to Elijah. But the Lord said to him, or the word said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah has run away. If you haven't heard Stuart's preach from last week, make sure you do. He's run away from Jezebel. He's run away from Ahab. And he's at the end of his tether. He's sort of been through so much already. Um, so much despair. He's had some real highs and he's had some real lows and that's what um, we've been hearing about. And here he is, um, yeah, on the mountain of the Lord. And it says here, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, 
anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Mahola. I was going to get that wrong. Abel Mahola, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Okay, that was a long passage. Are you still with me? So I said before, um, just as we kind of go into this passage... Where are we? We're at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. It's the mountain of God. It's the, it's the same place. It's called both things um, in the Bible and it is the same place. And it's mentioned here and at many other kind of key moments in biblical history, in the world's history, um, in the Old Testament narrative. And it's the same place. So Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, and that means that this kind of pivotal moment of Elijah's life Um, As he flees from Jezebel, he reaches the end of his own physical strength. He heads to the same place where God had once met with Moses. From the book of Exodus, we know in the wilderness near Sinai, the mountain of God, was where God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And it's also where Moses told him to bring the Israelites as they escaped and were rescued out of Egypt to the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai. So after the Israelites, like, I can't speak today, Israelites fled from Egypt, um, they, they escaped, and two months later they arrived, as God has instructed, at Mount Sinai. Um, and this was the moment when God's presence was dramatically displayed, and he gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which is a really, really significant event for us. And just to kind of reinforce, I'm going to pick this up every time we get to kind of a big moment. But on that amazing day, there was powerful thunder and lightning. There was a great storm. The whole mountain shook and God thundered his reply for all to hear. And my megaphone is just a poor reflection of how loud and how amazing and how dramatic the presence of God was on that day. And we don't actually know doesn't tell us in this story why Elijah ended up at this mountain. He was running. God sustained him, and he was running away from danger. He was kind of running into his despair and depression at this time. Um, But actually, as much as he was running away, he was actually running towards the presence of God. He's ended up at Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This is where he's ended up. So was he running away or was he running towards? We don't really know. Was it an accident? Was it a subconscious thing that he knew, obviously, the history of this place? Um, Or was it God's kind of 
designed for him, purposeful. We, we don't know exactly what happened in the background, but here he is. As he runs away, he runs into um, this significant place. So this is a significant moment at a significant place, and we are looking here at a significant person of Elijah. And in this moment, God speaks to and reassures Elijah. So verse 9 um, can also be translated as the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. And the word of the Lord, this is the same word in John 1. And it says, the word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So who are we talking about here? Who is the word? Jesus, amazing. So this is our hope, our salvation. This is, this is Jesus we're talking about. The word comes and speaks directly to Elijah. The same word that spoke the heavens and the earth into creation. Are you with me? This is a significant moment. Okay? Um, and the word says to Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And Elijah goes full steam in, doesn't he? I've done everything I can. I've given you everything. There's no more I can do. We've seen all this. We've done all this. But still the people aren't following you. And he's reached the end. And you kind of imagine, can't you? I'm just kind of going, I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't know what to do. I'm alone. I can't do anymore. His hope was in those events that have just happened. He's just seen the fire of God come down and burn that sacrifice in such a dramatic way. But it didn't turn history the way he thought it would. He thought that was going to be the big moment and everyone was going to bow down and worship his God. But still, that moment hasn't quite arrived. Um, and just pausing here to think about how often maybe we've felt like that. I can't believe there's anyone here that probably hasn't ever got to a point at some point in their life where you're just like, it's enough, I, I can't go on. There's no more I can do. I've done everything I can. I've worked my hardest. I've prayed. I've, I've done all this. I can't do any more. And you kind of just reach that point where enough is enough. You feel powerless, unable to get up, unable to find motivation. It might be in marriage, parenting, work, church, friendships, leadership, in loss, in grief, just finding the energy to get through a tough day. And I'm sure most of us can, can relate to Elijah in some way. Um, I know I can, and I know there's people in this room who probably can even more so than me that have probably been through tougher situations than me. For me, my, my kind of darkest moment that I can remember was a few years ago. I've talked about my job a few times in my preachers. But about three years ago, I was in a really dark place, a really hard place. I was in a job where daily I was suffering mental abuse, um, verbal abuse from children and from adults, physical abuse. I was breaking up fights almost daily at one point. It was, it was ridiculous. And we were in that school trying our best to help these children. And at the same time, there was a, a higher level of leadership that just wasn't seeing the need. And they were so determined to take the school down this road over here, they were missing the point of what was going on down here. And it was a struggle, wasn't it? Um, and it, it's, still, it's still with me, you can see that. But it was a real struggle. And the kind of the darkest mode, the hardest point, I think, I was, there was one day I was just crawled, I was like in a kind of fetal position, just lying in the conservatory going, no more, no more. 
I can't do this. So for me, as I read this story, it builds out such emotion because I've got past that, and I'm going to talk a bit later on how I got past that point and how maybe we can start to come out of our caves if we need to. And God is very much a part of that story, but so is my wife, so is my friends, my family. Um, But just to say, as I read this story, just, yeah, if you can relate to it in some way, just just those really hard places. I just hope and pray that as we open this up a bit more through the well-being journey through today, that you will find help. You will find what you need to come out of those dark places, to come out of the hiding place, to come out of the cave. Um, you know, you've got Elijah here. Elijah has seen so much of God's glory and awesome, awesome power. Yet God finds him, sorry, Elijah finds himself hiding in the darkness of the cave. Yeah, you look at what Elijah's seen, the highs that Stuart talked about, and here he is at a real low. You know, it, it's natural, it's okay, it's normal to feel like that at times, but I think it's then kind of the help we get to move past that point. So we can kind of relate to Elijah in this moment. And what does God do? God says to him, come out of the cave. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. So come out of the cave and step into the presence of God. He reveals the next step, and just the next step. No more. There's no sermon. There's no rebuke. There's no blame. There's no shame. He literally says, come out and be with me. He doesn't address the self-pity and whine of the prophet. He communicates in his great wisdom in a way that he knows Elijah needs in that moment. He doesn't come out and go, Elijah, dude, look what I've just done. I fed you. I raised the widow's son to life. You saw my fire come from heaven and burn up the altar. He doesn't do any of that, does it? There's no rebuke. There's no shame. He just says, Elijah, step out of the darkness and come into my presence and stand before me. And there was wind. There was earthquakes. There was fire. Rocks were literally shaken. So much noise. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. And God has spoken in all of those ways before, even on this mountain when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But his voice was thundering out for all to hear in these other moments. And God's power is there in this amazing storm. And maybe that's why Elijah was there. Maybe God, he wanted God to come and shake it up again, to change the course of history in his almighty glory and power. But actually, God knew what Elijah needed in that moment. He needed to hear the voice of his father who loves him, the voice of his Lord, just whispering gently to him, a soft and gentle whisper of encouragement, a deeply personal encounter with God. Nobody else needed to hear what was going on. This was between Elijah and his Lord. It was a perfect moment, and it's exactly what Elijah needed. And it's like, I was thinking about this, it's like when you're just at the end of everything you can do, And someone just comes up and they don't speak. They just put their arm around you and just give you a big hug. Quick drink. So, God is drawing Elijah out of his self-pity, out of his discouragement, out of his depression, remembering that only God can bring us to that ultimate and deep-rooted satisfaction that we're all seeking because only God can fill that hole. And the Lord says again, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
the same question repeated, I think, in comfort and kind of gentleness in this whisper. Remember, there's no judgment, no rebuke, no guilt, just honesty and love. And Elijah repeats his reply. I've zealously served you, but still they turn their back on you, and I can do no more. And this made me um, smile a bit, just made me think of conversations, perhaps with my wife, sometimes where you're having those moments where you, you have a moment of tension. Has anyone found those before? No, no, no one else has moments of tension in their marriage? Okay, we occasionally have moments of tension in our marriage. And I'll go up to Phil, because this is how I work, and I walk up, and I'm like, what's up, honey? And she's like, nothing. And I'm going, seriously, what's up? And, and I will push and push and push and push, and you can guess what the response is going to be, can't you? It's not going to be pretty. Now, Phil's very gracious, but she doesn't work like that. She needs some time. And I can push and push and push, and she needs the time. So actually... We've learnt and got to know each other more and more that I can ask the question, how are you doing, honey? And she'll go, I'm fine. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, you're not fine. Something's wrong. I've said done something. I've not said something. I've forgot. Something's gone wrong, okay? Um, But what we'll do now is I'll say, brilliant, I'm going to ask you that question again tomorrow or at date night or at the weekend or in an hour's time, and I'd love you to be honest. And I'll give her that opportunity. And if she doesn't want to share with me, that's absolutely fine. That's her choice. But we'll come back to it at a later date when things are a little bit calmer and a bit less explosive. And that's kind of, kind of how I see this passage. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes, Rah! And he just says, I'm here because everyone's turning their back on you and I've done everything and there's nothing more I can do. And God says, come out. Stand in my presence. He says, Elijah what are you doing here? And Elijah's got that moment then to reflect and respond. And they can start to, God can start to minister him and kind of come into his life in that moment. Um, And I'd encourage you to do that in your own marriages if that's helpful for you. To actually, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you just need to get everything off your chest. But come back to it. Because actually, if you have that same conversation two days later, you're probably going to get further into the kind of the heart and the root of the matter. I've lost my place completely. Here we go. So, um, let's go there. So, let's go to the next slide. So, when God speaks through his word, and God is going to speak to us, sometimes he speaks in great power through creation, through storms, through audible voices. But God will speak to you. He will speak to you. Now, he spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. We actually heard God's voice. That's brilliant for Elijah. I've never heard the voice of God. There might be people in the room that have. I've never heard God speak directly to me. Okay? Audibly is what I'm talking about here. Let me make that really clear. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I see God in creation. I see God in all of you because you are God's creation the way you act, the way you live your lives. I see God in you, and God speaks to me through that. And for Elijah, it wasn't thunder and lightning, but it was a quiet whisper. And I don't know if he was expecting the thunder of lightning to be God's voice booming out to him. I don't know, but my my reflection here was just that sometimes I think we put an expectation on God. We're we're at that point where we want to hear from God, we want to know what God is saying, And in our heads and in our hearts, we're expecting God to speak in a certain way. Maybe we're expecting the thunder and lightning. Maybe we're just waiting for that audible voice of God. But actually, right here in our Bibles is the Word of God. The life-giving, life-breathing Word of God. And I think it's so important that as we come here and we talk about 
the word, the Lord, speaking to Elijah, we acknowledge it doesn't have to be an audible voice because this voice speaks loud and clear to me. And a very short story about a friend of mine. This will make me emotional again. Look, it's because we're going through like our emotional well-being, isn't it? Um, it was 20 years ago, and it, it still lives with me today as a warning. I know my friend is with God. He, he has passed away, and I know he's with God because he was a believer and he loved Jesus. But there was a point in his life where he, he literally said to us, I don't know what God wants for me next, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to study my Bible until God speaks to me and tells me what to do next. He was reading the word of God, waiting for God to tell him what to do next. And what we said to him is, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Because there's so much in here that speaks to all of us. There are so many basic truths in the Bible that we can, we can act on straight away. You don't need to wait and wait and wait until God says, I want you to stand up and go to this place and do this, then this. God doesn't work like that. But in here, he says, follow me. He says, make disciples, be part of community, pray for others, help others, show love to others. There is so much truth in here that we can follow. That my friend sadly died. He choked on a sandwich in that season and passed away. And I know he's with the Lord. I know he's with the Lord. But his life could have been so much more. And that's kind of always stuck with me as something to share with other people and say, there is so much truth. When you read it, respond, act, do something with it. Don't just sit there and wait and wait and wait, but get up and move. The Bible is the word of God. Every time we pick it up and read it, God is speaking to us. So as we come out of our cave, as we listen, let's not put unrealistic or unfair expectations on God that you have to speak me in this way. God will speak to us how he wants to speak. If he wants you to hear his voice as an audible voice, he will speak to you. If he wants to reveal something to you through the beauty of creation or an act of love from a friend, He'll speak to you. If he wants to speak to you through his word, we've got this in our hand. We've got it in our phones. He will speak to us. We know that. So we need to listen and we need to respond and we need to take action. Sometimes it's a whack around the head, isn't it? And sometimes it's a gentle whisper, but he will speak to us. He does speak to us every day. So as God reveals to us the next step in the plan, we know that God has called us out of the cave. He's called us out of the dark places. He's called us to listen to how he chooses to speak. And he's called us to respond. And very rarely does God reveal the whole plan. Um, again, I'm feeling to kind of parents here. So often in the morning, one of the first things our son will say to us, what are we doing today? This is what we're doing today. We're, we're going to get dressed. We're going to go to the park. Okay, what are we having for lunch? What time are we going to have lunch? What are we doing after that? What are we going to have for dinner? What's, what are we going to do tonight? Can we watch TV tonight? Can I have some tablet time? Can I? And they want to know the whole story. And I'm like that as well, to be fair. Um, they probably get it from me. I want to know what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. Um, but I think God so often just tells us what's the next step. What's the next thing I need to do? Because that develops trust. It develops relationship. It develops faith. And we walk on that journey with God. So God says, what I want you to do, Matt, is I want you to stand up and get out of your cave. Now, that's a big step for some of us. It's a massive step, and God will help us there. But that's all you need in that moment. And then when you come out of the cave, God will speak, and he'll take you on the next bit, and then he'll call you into something else. But it's step by step by step. And as we act and as we move, God honors that and says, brilliant, well done, Matt. This is what I want you to do next. And Again, about unrealistic expectations or unfair expectations. 
in the same way. God will speak to us. He does speak to us. But he might not speak in the way we're expecting. And he also might not say what it is we think we need to hear or we think we want to hear. Or, you know, again, God will speak. God will say what he wants to say. Yeah, he's God. <laughs> yeah? So come to him with that open mind of listening and being ready to hear what he says and responding. And what he says to Elijah here, he says, there is still a job to do. He says, go back the way you came. There's still a place for you. You are important to me. He is not alone. He says, you are not alone. You've got other people with you. He says, go back into the service of the Lord. That's what he calls Elijah to. He reminds Elijah that he's important and significant. And you'll hear exactly the same. If you read this, you will find out that you are significant, that you are important, that you are loved, you are chosen, and God has a plan for you. Um, And that's what he's just reminding Elijah of in this moment. Um, And he gives him a friend. You notice that at the very end of the passage, and we're coming towards the end now. He gives him a friend to walk on that journey with. He calls Elisha to be his assistant, the man who walks with him on the journey. And guess what? After emotional well-being, we're going to be looking at relational well-being. We don't walk this journey alone on this earth. Um, So that's kind of where he's calling people to walk with him. So, I said at the start, didn't I, that God does speak to us daily, every time we pick this up. He speaks to us in many different ways, though not always in the way we want him to. But we actually need to make that first step. And for some of us, that first step is literally coming out of the cave or getting out of the cave. And that can be a really hard step. And to be honest, I'm kind of preaching to the converted here, aren't I? Because you're here. You're here at church listening to the word um, being preached. You're here to worship together, to pray together. You're already here. So you've already taken a step into the presence of God's people to hear from him. And I think there's probably people at home that haven't been able to take that step yet. And I know for some of you, even getting here today has been a journey of pain and difficulty. But well done. Well done for being here. It's important we're part of this community. But for those people that we know that haven't been able to get out of that dark place, um, we've got a role in that to help them, to show love. But remember, speak in kindness. Don't rebuke, don't shame. Speak in kindness. It's literally an invitation, isn't it? Come around to my house. Come out for a walk. Let's go for a beer, a glass of wine, a coffee. Let's, let's just get out into the open air and have a walk and talk. We can help people gently to come out of where they are. Feel free to share the link to this talk if you think it's of help. Um, but remember, whatever we do, it's no good going up to someone and hitting them around the head of the Bible and saying, look, get to church now. Well, if you know someone well, that might be the best approach, but probably wouldn't be my approach. But in love, let's help people. And I mentioned earlier, didn't I, my own experience, and I, and I know there's people in the room that have had harder experiences that they still go through. But for me, very briefly, what I did to come out of the dark place I found myself in was I spoke to people, and I did pray. Even when it was hard, I made myself do it, or Phil made me do it, and we did it together. I did get professional help. I went to Birmingham Healthy Minds and made that contact. And again, I know some other people in the room have used that service. I'm very happy. It's very easy to find that the Birmingham Mental Health Service is amazing uh, from my experience. Easy phone numbers on Google. 
Some people probably need that help. I needed a bit of that help at the time, just to talk to someone professionally about how I was feeling. I also did the Freedom in Christ Health, Wholeness and Fruitfulness course, which was really helpful, helping me walk back into that freedom. And I did so much more. I've started to write up everything I've been doing in the last three years to come out of that place and stay in a really positive place. It's about, what, three pages long? Um, And I'm really happy to share that, to talk it through with people, if it's useful. But what I'm saying is we're hearing this together, aren't we? Let's show love to each other. Let's help each other. So if that's you, or you know someone that's stuck in that cave, please talk. Dan, do you want to start coming up? Because we're almost done. Um, But for some of us, we've already come out of the cave. We're here. We've made that hard step. We need to listen. We need to keep listening without expectation, without agenda, to what God is saying and how he chooses to say it. What is he saying to you? We need to give him time and space um, to respond to your questions, respond to you coming into his presence. And if you can't hear his voice, pick up your Bible and remind yourself that this is the word of God. And actually, he speaks to every one of us through his word. And his word is for all of us. It might not be a trumpet, but it is the word of God. And lastly, I think some of us have come out of our cave. We are listening. But I think some of us now need to get up and respond to the word that we've heard. And we've heard this a few times over the last few weeks through the preaching and through some prophetic words that have come. What is God calling you into? What is the next part of his plan for you? Don't keep waiting for him to speak in the way that you want or to tell you the thing that you know you want to hear. Don't come to God saying, just affirm this journey, but be open and say, actually, where is your journey for me? And if you're not sure, well, get up, get out there and love some people. Yeah, be kind to people. Share the gospel with some people. There are basic things we can be doing. But let's get moving. And once we're moving, God will honor that faithfulness and he'll build our relationship and the rest will come. Remember, Elijah's healing came from his relationship with and faithfulness to the Lord. This is where we find strength, hope, satisfaction, healing, freedom, peace in his presence. So don't put expectations on how God's going to speak, but learn to listen. Um, We've got to step out and make that choice. And let's finish with Jesus. Um, What did Jesus do when he needed rest, when he needed direction? He went and found a quiet place and spent time with his father. He knew the importance of connecting, praying, listening to his father and giving his father space to speak in that relationship. And of course, we finish with Jesus is a better Elijah. And even Jesus knew the importance of being in relationship with his father and being in relationship with people. He didn't walk on this earth alone, did he? He walked it with his father in heaven, but he also walked it with his disciples and with other people. He worked on his spiritual well-being and he worked on his relational well-being. So we're going to focus our eyes on Jesus. We're going to go into a time of worship. I hope there's something useful in what I've shared this morning. If you want to talk more, please do talk to me. If I've said anything offensive, please do come talk to me. Don't let it burn there. If I've said anything flippantly, just come talk to me. Because I believe it's so important that we we work on our spiritual well-being, but also our emotional, physical, and everything. I think it's so, so important. And I know some people need... Oh, gosh, sorry. Some people need help in that journey. So if we can help, we are here for you, and we'd love to try and help you. So we're going to worship. We'll come back in a bit, and we'll take communion together. Let's be ready for God to speak. Let's be ready for his, his word to speak to us and bring life to us today. Amen.